Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. Joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin. What's good? We have gone I feel, I down. I feel safe right now. We're in the old studio. Yeah, <laughs> I feel at home, at peace. Not as vulnerable as I would. We were used to the Zoom calls. Don't get me wrong, but that new studio still freaks me out. I like being here. I like the <laughs> eye contact, the natural eye contact. How you doing, bud? Good. We can adjust the light levels. We have windows to see potential attackers or whatever. Um, that's dark. But All the uh, Cats Talk fans that assemble outside <laughs> the studio every time we podcast, as they are out there. Uh, we're good. I'm good. You're good. Hope everyone listening's good. <laughs> I hope if you're a gamer, you've been playing um, Tears of the Kingdom a bit, enjoying yourself. I still haven't been able to really get into it yet, for reasons we're going to discuss here on the <laughs> podcast. So to kind of do a off-season primer edition of like to get really inside baseball about the podcast itself for people kind of wondering how we're going to approach this. Basically, you and I both sort of understood we were going to podcast last week after game six, which is what we did. And then we kind of teased it where, okay, we'll lightly preview the off-season, but mainly we're going to go F off now for a month and just kind of take a break. (laughs) Yeah. And then Monty gets fired, and then it goes from, oh, we're not even... We were kind of thinking, like, yeah, off-season preview stuff for, like, a week just to get everyone kind of... Give us the weekend, at least. Give us the weekend. Yeah, we'll go in Monday. We'll come up with series preview ideas and just kind of run through a series to kind of get ahead of it before it comes in late January or, like, the second week... Or or not January, geez. The uh, (laughs) third week of June, basically. The week before the NBA draft when we would really start to kick this stuff off again. And then Monty uh, gets fired. We did podcast on Saturday. That was our immediate reaction. So if you're looking for more of that and more of brief introductory uh, conversations about candidates, which is more of what we're going to get into this week, we'll go. But basically, we will be with you guys until they have a head coach. And then once they have a head coach, I think we'll update you guys again. But yeah, if you were looking for more podcasts, congratulations. I guess they should fire more people if you want more podcasts this <laughs> offseason. So uh, let's not hope for anyone to get fired. But if you're looking for content, there's one positive out of it. So on today's episode, we are going to run through some of the candidates. I, I don't think this is like an NBA draft style podcast where we can elaborate on strengths and weaknesses and wingspans and catch and shoot percentages and unassisted percentages and all that kind of stuff. We can just lightly scan over the guys we briefly talked about on Saturday. And then in the back half, we are going to be talking about the off season and basically not what we think, but what we think you guys should know and be ready to look for and talk about with the roster. If our lead editor wants us to talk about a tweet from Devin Booker last night, he can talk about it himself because <laughs> I will not give one second of my breath to cryptic tweets involving the Phoenix Suns. I did enough of this with the Arizona Cardinals last year as a football fan. I am not going to be doing it as a quote-unquote beat reporter. won't be doing it. Sometimes 
We tweet things to let people know things are okay or not okay or how we're feeling. My only take here is that I think, I don't know. Do players like having fun with it? You could just be more clear is all. It's a rhetorical question unless you want to answer uh, I don't in your answer. car at home. Oh, oh, yeah. Anyway, Devin Booker tweeted, go look at his Twitter. Go decipher it. Go do some math about the roster numbers to get to the number 36. We can move on now. This is not directly related to the tweet itself and how cryptic it is. And instead, it's just funny when uh, Shrieker tweeted a photo of Landry Shaman and DeAndre Ayton because 14 plus 22 (laughs) is 36. I thought about tweeting a joke about how we're all doing addition. And by the end of the week, we're going to be doing algebra to figure out how they could find seven rotation players. But uh, I didn't get there and I'm not going to get there. We'll talk about that in a bit. Let's talk about candidates. Uh, We should start by... If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, I would recommend it. It is very much worth your money. But if you do, don't get one. Read it. If you do, read it. Law Murray from The Athletic covers the Clippers. Wrote a beat reporter's perspective on Ty Lue and how the Suns pushing for him, the elements at hand, and kind of painted the picture that we all kind of... You uh, you came over to me. It was like, yeah, Lou. Like, ended the the press conference ended with them asking if Ty Lue's going to be back next year, and I was like confused. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, for for our perspective, the people who weren't covering the Clippers all year and the people who weren't aware of questions of if Ty Lue would even be back next year, uh, he painted the picture really well, and we're talking about that, of course, because it has been reported by Mark Stein that. The Suns are, I'm going to look up the specific language again because it's specific language season. Yeah. It's it's coaching, it's coaching tracker season, it's off-season season, but it's also reporting language season where the verbiage here, as I always stress on the show, is of the utmost important. Mark Stein been promoting this podcast a lot, and I really respect it from him. Here we go. They are expected to explore the feasibility, wow, that was worth the hype, yeah. of of trying to lure Tyron Lue. So they first have to explore. By putting it out there through these <laughs> reporters because they can't talk to the man. They can ask the Clippers for permission, but they got to look if Shams and Mark Stein are saying it. There's probably a reason, and that's probably because the Suns want this out there. They want Tyloo to know that he's the top prospect or whatever, so they can at least get, you know, ear to him, you know. This is a multi-step process. I talked about this on some of the shows yesterday. Basically, step one, Tyloo has to want to come here. He has to want to leave the Clippers and come to the Suns. That's step one. Step two, the Suns have to have the Clippers be okay with this. Factors to keep in mind. I don't really buy... How many rivalries are there in the NBA these days? Like, I use the word rivalry if they're in the same division, just... Default. If there are any rivalries, it's between players at this point. It's not yeah. even between teams. We're not really there. Like it's just you can't really compare it. Mavs I wrote about Suns, this with Ky- maybe, with uh, LeBron and Durant. Sons. Mavs Suns, but it's based around their two superstars in a meme. I mean, the closest the Suns got really was the Lakers when they kept beating them over and over again. Yeah. And Anthony Davis said the thing. Anyway. I don't really buy the rivalry part by any means. And just because they're in the division, that makes them a rival. But with that being said, 
the Clippers would be letting one of the best NBA coaches in the league go to someone in their division and a direct competitor in the Western Conference when this matters that for, for now, as the Clippers are constructed, they are a contender. They have two superstars, superstar, star, all stars, all NBA players, however you want to phrase it. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are very, very good at basketball. How very, very good is Kawhi Leonard's knee? I don't know. How uh, good is Paul George's health going to be over the course of the season? I don't know. Are the Clippers going to come back with both of those guys next year? Is that their plan? I don't know. But as of now, they are of that status. And the Suns, of course, are championship or bust right now, as as they showed with some of their moves already, their move already. So will the Clippers be okay with that? Would they be okay with that? And then three, if Tyloo's chill, Steve Ballmer's chill, Lawrence Frank is chill. Sun's got to be chill on their own end by giving up the compensation. Second round, uh, the uh, examples Law Murray found, you looked into some of these previously. The oh, last they're all one, the same, yeah. The last one was Jason Kidd in 2015, two second rounders. Stan Van Gundy was about 10 years before that. He was two second rounders as well. But then Doc Rivers was two years before Kidd, and he was an unprotected first. first yeah. They're all every, the last five of his list were either two second rounders or one first. So it's significant compensation. I want to go <clears throat> back to the second part of this three pronged process, though. So, like, I covered. Should, we should say, yeah. we, we've said this in other places. We didn't really directly say it on the podcast. You and I believe that the only clear cut upgrade from Monty that is, is seemingly yeah. available right now is Ty Lue and he should be their number one target by a significant, like they should go all in on him. And the only reason, in my opinion, the, o- the only way this would be clear cut a hundred percent worth it. Look, I'm not saying that moving on from Monty doesn't come without its benefits. Of course it does. But the only way this absolutely is a clear cut hundred percent win for the Suns is if they get Ty Lue, in my opinion. Now, if they get Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer, Kevin Young, Frank Vogel, Someone else we're not talking about. Well, it's kind of more gray to me, but I think Ty Lue is the clear-cut win. Sorry, I wanted to contextualize. Go ahead. So I was covering, I was basically on Clippers podium duty during that series, so I went to the last presser that he had after a game. And so I'm walking out there. Notable things that Kevin sees, because if you remember Herm Edwards' last game, coached at ASU he had a meeting with his bosses on the field and everyone overreacted to it oh it wasn't an overreaction because he got fired the next day or two days later or something Ty Lu walked off the court with Steve Ballmer like putting his arm around him all right I saw that I went to the pro- podium and then like all of the Clippers reporters who were there all year asking him like how tough was this year like he's like yeah you can't win without your stars like I missed like seven or it was like seven family members died for Ty Lu over the year. And he didn't go back to the funerals. And he was talking about like not going to their funerals because he wanted to be around his basketball team. And so it was just all this very like heavy stuff. And then like he didn't get directly asked until the last question, which was, are you do just to cut to the chase? Are you going to be back next year? And he said, yes, sir. So there's like, I think that they're going to move forward. And also he's a dude who doesn't quit. And I'm sure he's going to be like, I want to see what I can do with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. 
But my only thing there is if there's a chance that the Clippers kind of blow things up, it's because once Kawhi Leonard injured that knee, in my head, like, negative thinking me was like, oh, no, that's that's the end of that super team. Like, this guy has had knee problems. They've been trying to be careful. They rested him all regular season. They finally ramp him up, and then he gets hurt in the postseason again. And if you don't believe that he's ever going to be healthy and you just need to move on right now, like, is that an out for them to say, okay, Ty Lue, we're going to blow this constructed, this roster construction up as we know it. If you do see a title chance, like we're going to let you out. I could see that there's like a 10% chance of that is all I'm saying. But I, if the, if the whole organization doesn't see that, I can't see him leaving. And that's where it's like, the Suns are risking a lot for a guy who's in a pretty good position because that team constructed like the Suns, two superstars. You already have your role players. You bring back Russell Westbrook to be like maybe a missing piece because he looked really good at the end of the year. And if he's the third best guy, then that's even better. Um, Man, you have an owner who spends money. I just don't see the two teams that differently. Suns fans probably think I'm crazy saying that, but... Like, their two stars are really good if healthy. And, again, like, you don't even know if the Suns' two stars can remain healthy because that's the whole crux of this. Mainly, your your point is you are not snagging a coach from a rebuilding situation where they wouldn't want to really rebuild anymore. Yeah. Uh, where they Where that specific coach wouldn't be interested in rebuilding. I can't remember who, which coach was in this position. I can't remember who it was. But a couple of years ago, I, I'm thinking of Chicago and Billy Donovan was it? for some reason. Did it, Doc? What was it, Billy Donovan, where they were like, we got to trade for guys because Donovan doesn't want to go through a rebuild? I can't remember who it was exactly, but. <clears throat> was it, was Doc still there when they kind of blew up post Boston championship and then they went the Nets trade? And I don't remember how that happened. Not sure. Um, the bottom line is the Suns picked a really interesting time to fire a coach and i'm not saying i'm using interesting on purpose just not to say good or bad just because it's worth noting the raptors have an open availability they are renowned as one of the better run organizations ujiri is widely thought of as one of the best gms in the league right now the philadelphia 76ers who have joel Embiid. now they have a lot of offseason questions coming their way but they have one of the they have the mvp they fired doc rivers this morning if you look elsewhere, I think we're done. I, I guess like if Denver gets beaten like four or five games, they could fire Michael I mean, Malone. You are competing against two teams with MVP finalists. Milwaukee versus... Milwaukee Bucks, who Giannis is arguably the best player in the world. So you look at it and, and two of the, I think two of the four best players in the world don't have coaches right now. And then you can throw Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in the mix as well there, wherever you want to rank them. And it's an interesting time for a head coaching opening. And then, I mean, I, I I have to mention it, like Houston, if they win the lottery tonight, all of a sudden someone's going to be looking at that. Very Detroit could win the lottery. Detroit too. is another team as well. Yeah, there, there's some interesting stuff there where if a team, like if, if someone, if a premium head coaching candidate, like let's just say Ty Lue, for example, like if he wants to dial it back and just have a contending thing like I just want to build a group from the ground up and like take it easy here not to relax by any means but to look for a different a change of pace and then get back to that contending build it up for themselves as opposed to 
trading for X and signing superstar Y. Like, no, like I'd rather just go to Detroit, develop Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, Victor Wembanyama, myself, Killian Hayes. Mm. <laughs> he had a. I'm just kidding. Uh, poor, poor Killian. It Six not, man Killian Hayes has not gone well over there. So, in our opinion, Ty Lue is at the top. I think that prerequisites for the job. I don't remember how much we got into this on the pod, so we'll talk about this. One uh, thing that I'm going to keep mentioning, and we'll get into it here, is this cannot just be looking at for someone who covers, who is has their strengths as Monty's weaknesses, basically, because you have to factor in some of Monty's strengths as well. You need someone who is a respected veteran head coach who a locker room is going to respect like I said but also allow themselves to be coached and and like commanded to put it a little bit more blunt bluntly so that's where Ty Lue is a 10 out of 10 fit already and then you just look at what you are trying to get the most out of with this kind of switch which goes back to the strengths and weaknesses part you're at least not I I think it has less to do honestly with the adjustments and rotations or whatever and it just has more to do with having more schematic versatility and that's where Lou allows you to open up specifically defensively which this group could really use especially if they're going to be keeping DeAndre and we'll get into that a bit but I think that they're going to be in a much better position in that kind of route and he's just a really really good head coach that doesn't really have any like warts or red flags like he doesn't play young players that much is something that Law Murray noted in his story but the Suns don't have any of those and they're not going to have any of those for a while now outside of like two-way guys. So if they have a promising two-way guy in February, we're like, this guy's got to play like they have their own Austin Reeves or whatever. Um, I guess that's a point where it could come up. But outside of that, there's nothing really there. And then there's a pretty big drop off, in my opinion, just because you start getting to coaches who are good coaches. Don't get me wrong. Pretty good head coaches, actually. But they have problems. Um, I linked to the story in a back and forth that we did uh, on the site that covered the end of an era for Toronto Raptors basketball. And it went into the numerous issues that Nick nurse was causing essentially in Toronto. It included him having like a closed door meeting with each player where he was more or less berating them. At one point he sent an assistant coach home without telling the GM that he was going to do that. Um, just like a couple of different really crazy examples. There was communication then, things like one was what talking to media like post game, putting like oh so and so screwed up, and then not even addressing it to that player later yes, on, calling out players before is, telling them privately, like using the media time to call out that player instead of first calling them out like post game in that little time, or at least or going back and doing it after, or after the game. Yeah, not doing that either. So that is that is just a red flag right there with Nurse, but and then it he is versatile and he does a lot of different things. But a, a year long thing with the Raptors and something I think we talked about on here when we were talking about Siakam possibilities, they had to adapt and they had to change with their style and they just did not. Yeah, they just didn't. They stuck to what was what worked three years ago, and they stuck to their grand vision of six, nine, seven, three wingspan dudes everywhere. And it just didn't like offensive rebounding, like Mad Men isolation basketball. And they didn't really evolve beyond that. And so, yes, 
Nurse does a lot of interesting things defensively. Yes, he does mid-game adjustments that really throw off the opposition quite consistently. But in terms of a culture identity, 0.5, you know what you're getting in a Suns player. I'm not so sure you're getting that from Nurse either. So I kind of have him in his own grouping with Budenholzer and, and Doc Rivers where it's kind of good head coach, pretty good head coach, but there are some hesitations there. There are some qualms there. And this is like kind of the same group that Monty would be in, to be honest. But the, but the strengths are much more clear cut with him and someone like Budenholzer, right? Yeah, I think Bud is an interesting. And by the way, Gambo has kind of said, like, I don't expect Nurse and Budenholzer to be in this. Unlikely is, is what he's Unlikely, been saying. Unlikely, yeah. He As has of this played moment, his, his song, his Fear the Reaper, which yes. typically that's the D'Lo song. Popularized, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with Burns and Gambo lore, uh, Gambo will have uh, Don't Fear the Reaper play on the on the show. And that basically means this team is not trading for, signing for, they're not interested in that person. So he happening. had the song played for both Budenholzer and Nurse, who are two of the top three candidates available right so now. So now we're dropping off a cliff. After yeah. Ty Lue. And like kind of your point, Budenholzer, I, I think last podcast I said he's redundant with Monty. I don't know if that's fair or not, but same type of coach. If we want to link it to the Spurs and being very much like we're going to coach how we coach, no matter how ro- what roster we have, who's on our team. Like his teams looked the same. And I think one he was like so consistent and it was the finals run, right? Where he was basically like mid season. People were like, Oh, maybe bud's going to get fired soon. This doesn't look good. And then they go and win the NBA finals, but actually no, it was mid playoffs. Um, cause he wasn't making adjustments and it was the same type of thing and they got out of it. And obviously we know how it went, but I think with him, the, the only interesting like twist is, he kind of fits the DeAndre Ayton could get more. Maybe not even more, but he could try giving him the green light from three because, like, he has a history. He's always had, like, either... I think he had Horford Millsap, for yeah. most of it. Stretch Biggs. Brooke Lopez, obviously. He basically unleashed that dude from becoming like the traditional center to prolific three-point guy. Lopez started taking threes to a ridiculous amount his last year in Brooklyn and then one year in L.A., but in Milwaukee is when he really kind of like refined it into a point of his game and then also, more importantly, like defensively turned into one of the best defensive centers in the league, which I think... Low-key still doesn't get enough credit for, and so that's... I think he gets enough credit. He plays with Drew Holiday and Giannis. He gets enough credit. That's fair. He gets he got a, a lot out of that dude, right? Budenholzer did. So I think that's where you could say, okay, like DA doesn't have to be a completely different. I'm taking over the offense, but I'm gonna give you the things you want to do. I'm gonna let you shoot the threes that you've been talking about since your power four days at Arizona. I'm gonna give you that much as long as you keep doing the defense stuff. He would have creative ways to use KD at the five too. Yeah, he wouldn't just throw KD at the five and have them run ISO ball. He would actually use it creatively and especially defensively. Like that's what yeah. I would. If there's one thing looking at the roster that I'm the most excited for outside of DA, if Budenholzer was the guy, it would be DA at, or KD at the five and what they would do on defense. Because, yeah, I mean, not to go too deep into the money stuff, but a lot of what KD was flashing as a defender was kind of within their scheme. And it honestly was just like, you know what? 
I'm sitting in the corner defending this. I don't think this guy's going to pass the corner. I'm going to go block the shot. And, like, he can do that, but, like, there's a lot more to unleash there. So, switching DA, I guess, too. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how Milwaukee operated in that regard. Yeah. But anyway, like, if he's not even in the conversation, we don't have to go super deep on him. But after that, like, who do you, like, what are we talking here? If we don't have those two guys, if Ty Lue's staying in Clipper land, Doc That's Rivers like, is now on the market, which I guess we should definitely go in on that conversation. We're now. getting into, and non-soccer fans are going to have to hang with me here, but if you're a fan of Manchester City and your team signs a 17-year-old starlet from the Swedish League and you act like you really, really know this kid's game super well, that's how you're going to be if they hire some assistant Who coach, is the to be soccer honest. player? I don't even know. if I, I didn't even use a real example. I made up one okay. basically. <laughs> But yeah, I've watched him on the under 16s for like two years. And like, he, okay. I think like his burst leaves a little bit to be desired, but like he's very technically sound, finishes chances in front of the net. Like I, the defensive work rate has to get there, but he's 17 and like 40 million euros. Like I heard he was going to go for 65 to Real Madrid. Like those kinds of, like you do Luka. not know, you do not know assistant coaches like that. My guy, you just yeah, do, do yeah, not. Yeah. So even for someone like Kevin Young, who we've gotten to know decently well, because it's been on the team here. All I know about him, re- really, from offensive rebound—that's <laughs> about—I I got the offensive rebounding story out of it. Yeah, but then also just how he has been consistently the brain trust, the top brain trust guy with Monty, and more so. You would hear examples over and over again of Monty getting pushed by him to do s- some stuff, which most of the time was more modern. To be to be clear, I think the if you didn't know, Kevin Young was kind of the Monty. We should offensive rebound more. And that's where, like you saw, Kogi was really good at that. Tori Craig was really good at that. And he kind of got Monty to think in that way instead of run back on defense. Anyway, continue. What were you saying? We, we shouldn't spend any more time. Like Sam Cassell was awesome as a player. He did the dance. Like he had some moments for the Suns. We can't act like we know what he would be like no. as a coach. Like it's we, we know his experience under Ty Lue, under Doc Rivers or with Ty Lue, I guess. I, I think we should say, I'll, I let, wanna, me, let me know if you agree. Yeah. yeah. Ty Lu, we give this an A plus. We say they gambled, it paid off. Yeah. They deserve a ton of credit for letting go of Williams, seeing the vision in place for getting Lou and then getting it done. I want to say on the Kevin Young point though, I think can I go here real quick? Yeah, go ahead. It's just uh I think him being in on the Suns thing, him being in on the other jobs is also partially like a oh we're going to interview this guy to see what Monty's like to me or for the Suns' purposes they're going to say we're interviewing Kevin Young to see how honest Kevin Young who's looking for a head coaching job can say Monty didn't do this well enough and they either learn something about like what was lacking or you know or he's just like gonna audition for a top assistant job somewhere else because he's a free agent basically so I think you got to look at that when Kevin Young's attached to these jobs. It's also like a people are looking into money through that avenue too. Lots of information to gain. Throw a party if you get Ty Lue. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Budenholzer, Nurse, Doc Rivers. I like that. Just I think that wholly depends on how much you feel like they needed a new voice and a new stylistic direction. Whatever you want to say. As you can tell, you and I are pretty like. Eh on that but i would think that it would be a good move overall do you think i hate and ranking then, things but if you had to rank it would doc be above bud and nick nurse no really yes 
Bud then Doc? Then Nurse Bud Rivers. Okay. I think I might have Doc up there from a pure, like, I think... He's a really good coach, but just, like... It is also, again, like, I he's the PC's same thing. in the bed too often in the playoffs. Yeah. Blowingly, can't, can't say the other what word. did I say? I said, I think I told Jeff Munn in the office, like, oh, if you want someone, if you want to fire the coach who, like, blew a couple 2-0 leads, let's get a coach who can blow 3-1 leads. Like, that's the difference. <laughs> I think Doc has blown a lot of 3-1 leads. Am I wrong on this? Mike Prado with the tweet, assuming, uh, so Doc Rivers coach teams are 16-33 and 33 when they have three wins in a seven-game series. Okay, I'm not making that up then. No. <laughs> that is just like a really hard ceiling to break through, <laughs> like in terms of how great you were talked about as a coach. And I, he is a good that's coach. That's actually a worse that statistic. Just, that's a worse statistic than blowing to zero. Yeah. That yeah, makes yeah. Monty's like failures look like um, child's play, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for the assistants, like we'll see. Like if it's someone we haven't talked about yet, we'll just go with like, I I, think... you cannot approach any, you can have one take. Which, and again, I'm not here to, I'm saying you can, like I'm giving permission, like feel how you want to feel. But in my opinion, you can give the Suns credit for trying to go after Lou and then it not working out. Um, But I think that you can also criticize them if they fire Monty and the best that they could do in this circumstance was the no-name head coach but then again the no-name head coach could be someone who's an awesome coach like that's the thing is like a lot of the times the no-name the no-name assistants are often some of the guys who are like nick nurse was a no-name and then he led them to a championship you know what i mean like missoula he's had his flaws so far but he looked like an absolute steal for them when he got in like all these guys that aren't that basically aren't former players in the league are no-name assistants by default like Eric Spolstra, no name assistant. Like he's the best coach in the league right now. I want to throw out some more names. Can I throw out more names? Yeah, go ahead. Our boss Tyler Bassett did bring this up. Scotty Brooks. I don't know departing feelings about Katie and him, but he's top assist on the Blazers, I believe. Wizards didn't have great teams, but he definitely was like, We're just gonna shoot a million threes, space the crap out of it and see what happens. I don't know. Kenny Atkinson has head coaching experience beloved by players on that Nets team before they basically fired him like in the front end of the KD Kyrie era. He has a lot of experience. I think he's the top assistant on the market probably right now who has also head coaching experience. Um, We have called this man a wizard, I believe, on this podcast, and he has not held a job for a few years, but Terry Stotts is out there don't know how many thoughts you have on that but he's more of a wizard carlisle is the warlock okay i don't know the difference in ranking warlocks and wizards to be honest warlocks will mess wizards up okay big time (laughs) i've played my share of nerdy board games but (laughs) i do not know if this this holds someone who's more of a nerd than me oh Um, boy that might take a while to find someone that's more of a nerd terry stotts last i saw was attending a baseball game drinking a beer so he probably doesn't want to like go into the biggest spotlight of spotlights but I love that would how, be interesting. I love how bros who go to the gym six times a week are talking about if a bear or a gorilla would win in a fight, and we're talking about if a wizard or a warlock <laughs> would win in a fight. <laughs> I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons. And hey, since if you're one of those so. bros who goes to the gym six days a week, congratulations to you. You are in far better shape than yeah. I. I'm not trying to uh, rag on you in any way for your physical habits. 
I'm just saying y'all talk about animals fighting all the time. <laughs> a lot. What do you talk about in between your lists? Well, a hawk is in like in the air all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand an elephant is 3,000 pounds, but... <laughs> I don't go to the gym enough to understand if this is true, but... I'm glad Jeremy's not here because he would have videoed this for sure and put it in. <laughs> Let's talk about the roster. So here's where we're at. This team has Kevin Durant on it. This team has Devin Booker on it. That's it. DeAndre Ayton's under contract. DeAndre Ayton is under contract. He is just getting out of the first year of his maximum contract. He has three more years left after this. Chris Paul has $15 million of a $30.8 million salary guaranteed for next year. That is June 28th is the date for the guarantee. And then after that, fully non-guaranteed. Landry Shamit guaranteed next year for $10.25 million. And then it is not guaranteed the last two years of his contract. Um, that could give some... We'll get into this in a bit. But one of their avenues certainly is, here is cap relief for you. We'll take on your garbage long-term contract. Or like, hey, you don't want to pay Gordon Hayward $20 million a year for the next five years. We'll do that because he, he can be our fourth best player. That was... I, I didn't put much thought into that, to be clear. I don't have a hardcore Gordon Hayward stance right now. But just wanted to provide an example while we're talking about these numbers. Campaign. I believe fully non-guaranteed. 6'5". It was it was this year's number that was partially guaranteed, and I believe next year's number. It's at, the last year, right? Either way, six five. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tory Craig, free agent. Darius Baisley, restricted free agent. Biombo, free agent. Warren, free agent. Lee, Damian, free agent. Josh Kogi, free agent. Jock Landale, restricted huh? free agent. Terrence Ross, free agent. Ishmael Wainwright, team option, one point nine million dollars. They should pick that up. Dwayne Washington is on this list. <laughs> He's not on the roster anymore. Saban Lee, restricted free agents. Basically, the first move is deciding what you do with Chris Paul because... Well, okay, let me... Can I, can I lead? Yeah. Do you believe the Suns can afford to not looking into trading either of those guys? No, they got to do one. At least. But if they're getting better offers for Chris Paul than DeAndre, if they're getting better offers for DeAndre Ayton than Chris Paul, and they still want to trade DA, can they afford that? Do you get what I'm saying? Let's say, say if again. you, you yeah. can get the three for one master class, like we get three rotation players in for our starting center offer is there for DeAndre Ayton, but you'd rather trade Chris. Yeah. But you're going to get far less for Chris, like just one player. Can you afford to prioritize or do you need to focus on roster construction and who has more value who's getting you the better return i think it has to be the latter to be clear i think there's like no margin for error here yeah i mean it it has to be what you get in return i'm basically saying there is a very strong chance that they trade one of these guys and they did not look want in a vacuum they did not want to trade them but they just had to from a roster construction standpoint the thing about chris is you can there's no waiving him unless you re-sign him somehow to me. I think. Because I think Additional you still... context, they are unlikely because of the new apron rules, which I don't completely understand yet, to be 100% transparent with you guys. Bobby Marks wrote it, so I'll, I'll, I'll believe in, in the cap god himself from ESPN. 
that they are unlikely to have their taxpayer MLE as it stands. They have to basically get rid of Chris, wipe that, and then wipe basically everything else and only have the DA, Chris, and um, DA, book, sorry. Bird rights gone, all that kind of and stuff. And get of rid of guys. bird rights, and then they would get under the tax so they could have the mid-level. And he, he was on our radio station. He, like, made it. He didn't go into that, but he was basically like, yeah, if you get rid of Chris, then it's it's reasonable to get that mid-level, which is like 12.2. So under the difference here, under the tax, and you get a full mid-level exception, which is more money than the taxpayer mid-level exception. These are, for those of you new around here, those are, those are tools given to teams that pay a lot of money for them to still be able to sign players when they are over the cap. Because if you're under the yeah. cap by thirty million, you can sign a guy to a Is twenty-four tax million dollar mid-level, deal like six or five million, somewhere around there. So you get basically twice as much, and you can split that into two players, or you can spend it all on one pretty good rotation player. You know, like a seventh, sixth, seventh man, maybe. Um, so, like, if you get under that level by getting rid of Chris, yeah. But how much is a twelve million dollar player like Chris Paul? Is still pretty good. Like when he's healthy. If he still gives you 25, 30 minutes a game as a starting caliber point guard who survives on defense and runs and is a coach on the floor, like there's a lot of value in that. So, like, if you waive him and you don't re sign him to like a vet's minimum, um, then that's not as worth it. But if you can waive him and you do get that mid level and you can re sign him to a vet's min, that's when things start churning. It's like, okay, we got a couple pieces, and then you go look at DA, and you can say, okay, do we keep You know who's him? not going to take a vet's man? You don't think, Chris? No. If he gets the $15 million guaranteed, that's the thing, that's too. That's $28 less million dollars than he is making right now. Well, fifth, well 13, it's like 10 if it's... Yeah. If he gets half that guarantee... I, what you are getting to is... But, like, you're going to have... Yeah. If you get rid of Chris Paul, you are not getting a better point guard. Unless no. you get the Kyrie Irving, James Harden scenario that everyone wants to talk about that we will not be talking about unless there are reports that start to be attached to it. There was a loose report coming from... Not to throw shots anyway, like, no intent necessary or, or meant... But there was a loose report to come out about like James Harden in Phoenix, but well, it was not from someone not, who typically it's reports not things. Possible because those guys definitely want to make money, and as the roster stands right now, if you waive Chris and then you trade Da, you could in theory be not pushing that second apron that's going to exist. But like as it stands, there's like ten steps away from that, I guess to say. All right, let's play a game. Yeah. Remember when we played this game last year? Who will for sure be game. back on the Phoenix okay. Suns? We're going to modify <laughs> this one's it. easy, but... We're going to modify it. Okay. Let's say you can offer the minimum to any of these guys, and okay. they'll say yes. Would you bring them back? Okay. Darius Baisley. Uh, sure. I will say no. Bismack Biombo. Sure. Yes. Okay. I'm going to keep a running track. Oh, no. So we've got Durant. Them receipts. Booker. Biombo on our bench. Okay. Tory Craig. The minimum. Yeah. I would do it. Jock Landale. Yeah. I would do it. Damian Lee. And by the way, you can re-sign all these guys. The basically salary cap doesn't matter on Vetsmans. Continue. Damian Lee. Uh, yeah. Yes. Josh Akogi. If it's minimum, yeah. Yep. By the way, we, there were conversations like he's going to get 
full MLE heading into the playoffs, things like that. People were getting ahead of themselves a bit. Um, I don't expect him to have that. He is going to have plenty of suitors. He and basically plenty. got played off the floor without. He did. He did what is extremely difficult to do. He went from he played his full four year rookie deal with the team, did not get brought back and took a one year flyer somewhere and like revitalized his stock. Like he is going to be a NBA player for a while now at the least. And he's probably going to be a rotation player for a while now. And that was off the table for him last year. He did a wonderful job this season with that for sure. But we'll say we'll say for now, yes. Terrence Ross. Pra, they need shooters, so sure. I will go no. Ish Wainwright, just like the option on his contract. Uh, I think no. You say no. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll and say. also it matters that that's going to be hanging on the books if he's a restricted free agent. Um, it's going to eat up salary cap as they try to do all this stuff. So I think you have to release him. Basically. I'll say yes, but he does not make the cut then. Tony Buckets, Tony Jr. Warren. I don't... I don't think so. I say yes, but he does not make the cut. That's tough. Yeah. Okay. Here's what we've got. You ready for our roster? You seem like you're just like really, really excited. And I just want to let you know that I'm excited for you as well. And I just think that that's absolutely <laughs> fantastic for you. And the thing is, you just don't have a lot of players on this team now. That's like a big problem with this as a whole. Here's where we're at. You ready? Yeah. Point guard, we got no one. <laughs> We're not including DeAndre and Chris Paul, to be clear, because we're gonna. We're, I'm using this as an exercise so we can talk about trade possibilities. Point guard, we got no one. Shooting guard, we have Devin Booker. We have Damian Lee. Probably fair to bump Damian Lee. I'm sorry, we have Landry Shamit at point guard, and we have Campaign at backup point guard for now, under contract for now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put Campaign as the third string point guard, and I'm going to put Shamit as the backup two. Do you reside to that? Do I what? Reside. Do you relinquish? I don't know what word I'm going for. It's an R, but I can't get there. <laughs> Tweet me and let me know. Also, wizard or warlock. Yeah or nor. <laughs> <laughs> At the three. At the three, we got Josh Akogi, uh somewhere. I, I think what, what I want to say is, my main point is, and I'll get to the rest of the roster here in a second, everyone that we named outside of Booker and Durant, they are back half of the roster people, right? Yeah. Okay. Power forward, we've got Durant, and then we've got Craig, who I think out of all of these guys is the closest to a rotation, rotation player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Center, we got no one starting, and then we got Landale and Biombo. Mm-hmm. So basically what we got is we've got a point guard, which is one spot. We have a backup point guard who will probably be more of a combo guard in this kind of situation with Booker and Durant. That's two. We've got a starting three. That is three spots. We've got the backup, the number one backup wing, we'll phrase it as. That's four. And then we've got the starting center spot. That is five. So can you turn Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and your free agency stuff into those five players? Again, we've mostly filled out the back half. So we're talking about, again, your third guard, your number one guard off the bench, your starting point guard, your number one wing off the bench, 
your starting small forward and your starting center. Can you make that happen? Kevin Zimmerman, can he do it? Oh, how feasible is this? That that was the point of getting here. How I guess I'd have to look at the salary to see if that gets them under the cap. If you, oh, and that's hard too. Cause it's like, you're doing things backwards in the wrong order where it's like, you need to know what you're getting back for Nathan, you know? It's not easy. This is part of why I said if you really want to keep DeAndre Ayton and you have big plans with him and Coach Bud or whatever, but you get that three-for-one offer, yeah, like you got to take it. Um, Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo on the Bill Simmons podcast did like a 15-minute trade machine exercise, which is if anyone is the expert of fake trades, it is Bill Simmons. And he went through just a handful of options for Ayton and Paul and kind of went through. Uh, briefly talked about by ESPN Zach Lowe as well. None of them reporting or citing anything. They're just thinking out loud about trade possibilities. Something like, for example, that would be of benefit here. Charlotte. They get top three in the lottery. Maybe they don't get Wembenyama, perhaps, but they get Scoot Henderson. Now you got LaMelo and Scoot. Whatever happens with the Miles Bridges situation. <laughs> and then you've got that front court. You could get DeAndre Ayton in there all of a sudden. Maybe that's the kind of talent upgrade that you're looking for. Again, I'm looking for talent-depleted teams. Like, they give up Rozier and Hayward. Now you've got your starting three. Now you've got your either starting point guard or first guard off of the bench. Like, that kind of thing. Could you get one more player? Like, would they give up P.J. Washington, too? Like, that's probably way too much, but... It's the kind of those are the kind of names, right, where we're talking about guys who are absolutely like Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward are rotation players. Now, can they be your third and fourth best players on a championship team with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? I don't know. I mean, I sure as heck don't know. That Rozier, you just kind of carbon copy of like Reggie Jackson, if he has a heater of a year as like the third best player when the Clippers met the Suns a few years ago. Yeah. Hayward, spot up shooter at this point, can make the right passes, reads, too many injuries, but. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of trade where is D- <sighs> the Clippers. Let's say Ty Lue's back. Yeah. It works out for him. They got their guy back. What does Ty Lue really want? Why did he bring in Russell Westbrook when he had all these guards? Guard, yeah. He wants a point guard. Yeah. Who would he like? He likes Chris. Chris would be. At I home. would like Chris Paul, too, if I wanted, if I needed a point guard. They don't resign Russ. Yeah. They don't resign Russ. Would they give up Batum? Covington and then one more of those. I'm not asking for Norman Powell here. Someone with good I think knees. Eric Gordon's twenty million dollars is too heavy. Can of you a Terrence cost. can you Terrence Mann and Batum for Chris Paul? Oh, uh, I think I, I think Terrence Mann is too expensive. I think Norman I Powell is too expensive. I think Zubach is too expensive. He might be pushing twenty. Can you get three of those guys? Can you get two of those guys with even if you get two. two of them? Like can you get two of Batum, Zubach, Powell, and that like I don't I don't think so, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Again, you need one of those types of things. So what I'm going to project to you, Mr. Zimmerman, mm-hmm. here's a thought exercise. One more before we go. Yeah. I'm going to slot in Chris Paul as a starting point guard. Okay. Now we need a backup point, a backup guard, a combo guard. We need a starting three. We need another wing, and we need a starting center. I'm going to take Chris Paul off the board. I'm going to slot in DeAndre Ayton as the center. 
Now we need a starting point guard, a combo guard, a starting three, and a wing. What is easier to do? Keeping Chris. Keeping Chris. Because also I think you get a lot more for DA, and and that's not even a lot. That is the second part of it, yeah. Objectively, just looking at what are going to be the easier assets to acquire is keeping Chris, who is going to get more in a trade is a separate part, that is DeAndre. What if, I don't know the math again, because I don't know the Hornets contract situations, but in that scenario of keeping Chris, you trade DA, Hornets get better, he's not like the feature player it actually makes sense if okay got, yeah, so we we if got god hayward if you throw shaman and da in a trade for like hayward and i don't know if rogier probably makes a lot of money so i don't even know if this makes sense but you package da let's say campaign even see that's where it gets tough because like just to make math work if you want to get good players like hayward and rogier how much is that combined like it's yeah you get it's upwards of like 35 i think i want to say off the top total of okay something like that so I it's think, close i think it might be closer to 40 not sure yeah so if you da and Shamit would get that done in theory so um then at least you're more well balanced and then you go and you get like there are enough wings who are if you have a biannual exception get a just load up with wings and then you have enough to have a versatile roster that we've talked about around KD and book Tory Craig types where it's just like interchangeable. You can guard point guard to power forward with generally wings. And then you have your stars. Subsection two of the thought exercise free agent centers. Oh, Brooke Lopez too expensive. Nikola Vucevic, too expensive. Jakob Pertl, probably too expensive, I think. Yeah. Not exactly sure. Yeah. Christian Wood. Yeah. No, thank you. Mason Plumley. Yeah. Nas Reed, too expensive. Happy for him. He's going to get a lot of money. And whoever pays him is going to be extremely smart when they do it. Dwight Powell? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Again, that's if you get into the luxury... Um, yeah, the tax. Uh, Thomas Bryan, Andre Drummond, Mike Muscala, Drew Eubanks, and then I got to Jock Landale. And, uh, yeah, Mike you're already there. Already. Or if you go wing heavy and you don't, you just lock in Landale for 20 minutes or you he and Biombo kind of switch off and you just have length on your wings. I, I don't know. But then, that, again, that's going into projecting them getting jumbo wings to be able to play small ball. Taxpayer MLE targets. Bruce Brown's going to get more money than that, right? Jordan Clarkson's going to get more money than that, right? He should. Josh Hart's going to get more money than that, right? Definitely. Austin Reeves going to get more money than that, right? Resign. Gary Trent's going to get more money than that, right? Karis LeVert's going to get more money than that, right? Yeah. Malik Beasley, Alec Burks, Dante DiVincenzo, Max Struess, Josh Richardson, Seth Curry, Jalen Noel, Taylor Horton Tucker, Matisse Thibel, Victor Oladipo, and then we get to Josh Akogi. At the small forward position, you know who's the first name here that makes sense? You ready? Who is it? I don't want to. There's two names you should be thinking of, and they're both here Dylan Brooks. And Jay Crowder. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then I get to Kelly Oubre, and then I get to Tori Craig. Uh, three, not looking too deep. Joe Ingles? Chris Paul, Bessie? Don't know if his knees work, but bomb away, sir. At the four, quote unquote. I don't even know what a four is these days, but we've got fours. Jeff Green, <laughs> Jamichael Green, Dario Reunion, Kenyon Martin Jr. has a club option. They should accept that. PJ Washington restricted. Grant Williams restricted. Those guys are going to get a lot of money. Georges, Niang, Trey Lyles, Jalen McDaniels, not Jaden McDaniels. Jalen, the worst one on Philly. No offense, Jaden's just a really good player. More, more about Jaden, less about you, Jalen. Can we slot in a number one wing off that list? Do you, do you want me to just throw Dylan Brooks on here? Uh, I'm throw Dylan Brooks on here. Okay. okay. So now, in the hypothetical where I get that DA trade, yep. here's where we're at. I don't even know if that's legal, by the way, with Charlotte. David's going to be mad at me that I didn't check poor in. I'm sorry, David. Australian correspondent, too, David. Too quick to do the Follow math the here. four-point play. We got things to do, yeah. At point guard, at guard, I've got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Terry Rozier, Shamit Lee campaign. On the wing, I've got Gordon Hayward, Dylan Brooks, Josh Akogi, Kevin Durant, Torrey Craig. At center, I put in Dwight Powell. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants more money. I don't. I don't think so. Nah. Landell Biombo. Is that good enough? This is gonna be hard, man. This is gonna be hard. It's like if you take the best pieces, they just don't fit either. Like if you say, here are the top five that are reasonable to fit into this money slot. Well, do they fit next to Torrey Craig? Are they going to be good enough shooters? Are they going to like... That's the thing with the book Durant thing. It's like you should just space the crap out of this. Like give them room to work. But then you get to, can this team stop anyone? Does Gordon Hayward play defense anymore? I don't know. Even to if you your go on point the expensive on prioritizing end. shooting. Yeah. Damien Lee, extremely thoughtful guy. Yeah. We talked with him for a bit during exit interviews. He pointed out some of his numbers. Didn't mean to boast. He made clear, like, I'm not trying to, like, prop myself up here. Just this is what I did this year, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud kind of, of kind proving of thing. my NBA worth. And then I jokingly said to him, pretty good time in the NBA's history to be good at that. And then he kind of smiled at me. To your point. Shooters are more expensive. That's why I like... You can't just get Mirza Toledovich on the minimum anymore. Mirza's getting that 40 mil guaranteed bag, baby. Why do you think Terrence Ross like had a say in being a buyout guy and everyone wanted him? Because, like, as we saw, his defense is not the best. <laughs> but he's in that but corner. He it's going the in. crap and out this is it. why Damian Lee is going to have a long and successful NBA career. Because he has established himself as that kind of shooter. And the Suns would be welcome to have him back, I would assume. Yeah. Presume. Do you agree with my sentiment here before we go? This is just going to be hard. It was just one (laughs) brief off-season preview, 10-minute exercise to show how difficult it would be. And more so, less less so, focusing on should they trade DeAndre Ayton or Chris, and just more so, logically, it just makes sense to trade DeAndre anyway before even getting to everything. Unless you can get more for Chris. Maybe you can get more for Chris. I don't know. But you need to get you need to get two or three players for one of these guys at bare minimum this offseason or else. And and that's even assuming that they have that much value. And like, this is why stretching and waving Chris is insane. Yeah. 
unless you are absolute again you're doing this before free agency before it you would be doing this you would have to just again tea leaves you would have to be reading into them really well that you're about to get a couple of really good players on really good deals coming in i think the sham at contract is super valuable right now because and i mean that in a just you gotta consider trading him for whatever because if you do that that just opens up 10 more million where it's 10 more million to play with where you're not bumping into that other tax and then DA trading trading DA for more money is like actually feasible and again that's even before getting to like how you fill the rest of the roster out but man it's hard to even order this because of that because like yeah Chris Paul's is deadline is june 28th but like wouldn't you like to start free agency with just that much more money to start so you know where you're going and that's where this gets tricky because he's still a good player again and that's why like the da trading him is the obvious thing that could actually just kickstart things but yeah I don't know, man. Winning a title this year would have been a good idea. Not <laughs> 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 put all this pressure on this offseason. Holy smokes. All right, everyone. Uh, we'll be back uh, when there's news, I think. Do you yeah. want to phrase it as that? I assume they'll have a head coach within a week or two. I think it might be a while. But Or you think it'll be interesting. Well, what would we be waiting on? Top, Tops a month, but... You do need to interview people more than once, and an interview cycle typically takes a week to a week and a half. This is wonky again because of the openings, and like, there's actually other good jobs, and like, it depends on one coach who's like holding everything up. And I feel like all the top coaches have to do the Phoenix, Philly, Milwaukee interview process, like maybe twice to for the coaches to even get a better idea of what they want to do. I don't know. I feel like it'll take a while because of that. Before we go, I do not feel like this is hyperbole. Based on what he is projected to be in the pre-draft standings, this is one of the bigger moments of the decade coming up right now. And I, again, do not feel like I'm exaggerating because of what Victor Wembanyama appears to be. We use once-in-a-generation talent often, but he is in the... Joel Embiid. He is in the Luka... Zion tier of pre-draft prospect looking like Blake Griffin, Kyrie, that kind of thing where it's like this guy's going to make a lot of all-star teams and he could like people are talking about him like he's an all-star all-time great. Have no idea what it's going to look like on an NBA basketball court, but I'm really excited to see. Let's rank our top three favorite places for him to go. Let's start at the top. 14% chances Detroit, Houston, San Antonio. Rank between those. Do you, do any of those teams intrigue you, or should I keep going? Detroit is fun because I can imagine what that team will look like. But Pop, just putting him with Pop seems like I want him to reach his star potential, and I think that would be a good start. But I don't like the Spurs like as an exciting team still with him. Charlotte 12-5, Portland 10-5. This is percentile chances. Orlando 9 Portland, though. Indiana, 6-8. Washington, 6-7. Utah, 4-5. Dallas, 3. Chicago, 1-8. Mm. 
1.8. Toronto, 1. New Orleans, 0.5. I've got my top three. You ready? Yeah. Number one, Orlando. Yeah. I think Orlando's coming. Yeah. I think Franz Wagner is that dude. And I think Paolo Bancaro is that dude. I think they've got a half dozen guys who could work out for them. Aesthetically pleasing team to this point. Maybe not, but... Actually, no. No, I'm going to put them three. I'm going to go in reverse order. I'm putting them three. Uh, number two, I'm going to put Detroit. Cade, Jaden Ivey, Duran is kind of... It's it's nice to have like a modern-looking center to put next to Wembenyama. So in case he wants... To, in case it's more of a four than a five at the start or whatever, again, like no idea what it's going to look like on the basketball court. Is he a center? I think so, but like I yeah. don't know. No idea. Number one, Indiana. Yeah. Him and Hallie, enough said. Our boy, <clears throat> Benny Math. Oh. Don't buy into that second half struggle, everyone. Miles He'll Turner. He'll come back better than ever. The D-Wade comparisons are sound. What if you have next Miles Turner? Hmm? I, I like the front court. Yeah. Same thing with the center kind of situation. And the same thing in Orlando. Like him and Wendell as your front court. Sweet. I don't want him to go to the Rockets. I don't know why. Apologies to former guest on this podcast, Coles Wicker, a member of the Rockets front office. Uh, he put up the Ben Affleck meme of him, like, thoughtfully looking out at sea. Because <laughs> like, they have been working so hard the last year, but all these stupid ping pong balls are just going to determine how much their work was worth it. Like, there is a decent chance, again, a decent chance that these teams who have been, who have, again, they've got a good shot at getting Victor Wembanyama, which would change the course of their franchise forever, I feel like, is not going too crazy. There's a 48% chance that those top three teams finish outside the top four. 48%. Like, there's a 50-50 shot that Houston winds up, like, outside. That's crazy to me. Like, they could miss out on not only him, but Scoot and the Alabama kid. Well, yeah. I can't endorse. I like the San Antonio thought with Pop, but the talent around him, I like Sohan, I like Vassell, but I don't think it would be a, they don't have enough ball handling there for me. I need him to be with a guard who knows how to do stuff. And Hallie. Or Cade. Again, Pacers. I'm glad you picked Pacers because I was going down. I was like, oh yeah, Pacers. Uh, That's only 6.8 or 7 or something. All right, top three nightmares. (laughs) Whoa. <laughs> Pelicans have a 0.5 chance of winning. That'll be fun. Um, Thunder actually. Thunder have 1.8% chance. I guess we didn't consider them because that's a really low percent chance, but oh my God, that team. Yeah, I think I think what I was trying to do was factor in teams that reasonably have a shot. The Pacers are only at 6.7%, but... Yeah, OKC. Okay, if OKC gets But also in, OKC then. has too many dudes as it is. It's, it's not care. that they have a problem with too many guys, but it's like you guys already have enough great young talent. Give give some other team a, another piece. Like those three uh, teams that could actually use that extra little boost. I already think they're pretty well set. Um, who do I not want? Uh, uh, my Hornets okay. would be boring. Uh, number three, Utah. Again, guards, I don't know what's going on there. And then Walker Kessler next to him. Again, I like having a certified center next to him, but that's more of just like a trade. You couldn't play him at the five, basically, then, because that Kessler kid ain't bad. Uh, Number two, 
I am going to go, sorry, Cole, I'm going to go Houston just because it seems like they got a lot of guys who like to shoot the basketball there and not pure point guards, high IQ players who would be able to feed him the spots. I hated that fit for Jabari Smith. I hope it turns out well for them, but I hated that fit for them. Number one, Washington, because it just seems like where dreams go to die. Yeah. Dallas would, Suns fans won't like this. Dallas has 3% chance. I feel like it's like it's not even worth mentioning. That'd be wild, but. That would be the, the, I do not think the NBA is rigged, to be clear. There are several moments across your time as an NBA fan, if you don't think that, where you go, wait a minute, is this? And that would be one of them where you'd be like, Ugh. I think Bulls deserve it. All right, it Adam, like he, the 3% and Luca, like after the way it went with Luca and Bulls, Kyrie, Bulls deserve it. awfully mention. generous. I know the Bulls were like mildly respectable this year, but Bulls, like I would be happy for DeMar, but like, eh. Well, the weird part of that is the pick goes to oh, is Orlando, that the but one? it's top four protected. Okay, never. Yeah. So if Chicago, they did they the lot, they did yeah. the lottery protection because you can only move up top four. So if if that pick moves up, Chicago gets it. If they don't, I don't know if that's better or worse. I don't know this draft. Yet. Yeah, no idea. New Orleans, it just feels like they got enough dudes. Toronto, there's nothing going on there. I don't know. I'm really excited for this. Like this combined with um. I think I'm all in Is on it like five and then the games at five thirty Lakers Nuggets. Yeah, really I'm all in on Detroit, man. Okay. Pacers for the weird one. That's unlikely. Freaking love but... Jaden Ivey, man. I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Fun times. Our first time going over an hour in a bit. Because but... the draft was involved. Yeah, it always is in this kind of way, you know. It's been a while, but you know. again, we'll talk about the fifty second. So cats talk pick. real quick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We'll be back when there's news. If someone else gets fired, if someone else gets hired, and there aren't going to be any trades right now. That's, uh, again, we're talking a lot about trade stuff. This is why we thought we were going to get a month here, because that's really, those conversations are a month away. But we prefaced them well enough, I think. Slipped into it. What can you do? What's nine divided by three? It's three. Goodbye, everyone.